Pass Around the Smile is like your go-to friend, the one that lifts you up and backs you to the end. She's there to guide and inspire, challenge and teach, and remind you that your best self isn't out of reach. Self-development, manifestation, self-love and more, it's time to trust the process more than ever before. Welcome to Pass Around the Smile, the podcast. I'm your host, Cleo Massey, and I am so glad you're here. Let the magic begin. The beautiful Liz Roberta is an award-winning spiritual coach, Hay House author, and intuitive who has held over 5,000 readings for clients all over the world. It was Liz's intuition which took her from the world of fashion merchandising to living a life completely in tune with who she is, which is why she has changed so many people's lives by talking on the topic of intuition. She was named the Emerging Voice of 2020 by Kindred Spirit magazine, hosts a podcast, the Spiritual Success Podcast, writes the Millennial Manifesto blog and has been featured by BuzzFeed, Yahoo, Influensive, Medium, Thrive Global and Disrupt as well as writing for many other different publications. Liz and I have become friends on the world of social media from across the globe as Liz uses my positive guidance cards in her readings with clients which just makes me so happy. I know you are all going to love this chat with Liz so let's get into it. Hello Liz and welcome to the Pass Around a Smile podcast. Hi, Cleo. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so excited to have you, honestly. For my listeners, you guys should know that Liz and I, we haven't actually ever met. However, I feel like we are quite good friends all the way across the globe and just from social media. Absolutely. We were just saying, I think it's been about four years which is insane. Like, how is it 2023? But what it was, was this woman who I buy clothes from in England, she hand makes clothes to order. So she'll put fabrics up and you choose your size, whether you want shorts or a kimono or whatever. And she actually tagged me in one of your posts advertising your card deck. And I'm pretty sure at the time you only had that card deck and maybe some prints. You've added more things since then. Um, And I was like, wow, they're stunning bought the card deck, started using them. And at the time I was doing 12 uh, Zodiac readings every month for YouTube. So I was doing a tarot reading for each of the sun signs and I was using your card deck. So then people would message me, oh, where'd you get those cards? They're stunning. And I was doing so many card readings at the time and paid readings as well that, um, yeah, we ended up chatting and you'd be like, oh, someone's bought my card deck from England. It must be from you because obviously we're so far away from each other. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I I didn't know how, yeah, you had heard about me until, until then. And I remember your order coming through because it was my first order from England and I think was your address that time in London no I was living in Glastonbury oh Glastonbury I knew it was an exciting place because I obviously know just Glastonbury because the festival but (laughs) I was like oh my gosh somebody is ordering my deck of cards little Cleo little Australian Cleo's cards from Glastonbury how exciting and then here we are four years later I love that. Definitely soul sisters across the globe. And the funny thing is the girl that tagged me, same thing, never met. She lives halfway up the country in England, um, but we've never met. But similar kind of thing, you know, soul sisters. She sent me a book once, you know, we're really in touch, but have never met. (laughs) Oh, I love that. It's just obviously meant to be. Oh, and so is this conversation. I am, I'm just so excited. And 
I obviously have a little plan for this episode, but I know you and me are just going to talk and I know that both of our communities are going to love listening to whatever we have to say, especially from you though. Your book, Living in Tune, is such an incredible book. I loved so much about it and we'll unpack some things today, but I really want to start with, if it's okay, maybe you telling us a little bit about your kind of start as a fashion merchandiser and then how your intuition came in to play, telling you that it was all of a sudden time to change. Maybe we can start there. Absolutely. So I'm actually going to take you back a little bit before that because my first career out of university was investment banking and people are always so shocked. They're like, (laughs) what? Knowing me now, you know, I've got tattoos. I've got a big snake on my arm. I wear all these rings, you know, very witchy and creative and spiritual. And I literally wore a gray suit. I did a grad scheme. You know, I was that high achiever. So that was actually where I started when I was 21. I started on a grad scheme at JP Morgan, which people could never believe. Um, So that's where I actually began. So that was where it started. And then about six months in, started to feel really awful. I was going to the doctor with heart palpitations. I had headaches every day, tension headaches at the front of my head. Mm. And um, they were doing all these tests. And basically it turned out there was nothing physically wrong with me. I had generalized anxiety disorder. So then they prescribed me beta blockers, which basically slow your heart rate down, slow the stress response down. But Mm. I was like, well, these don't cure it they just block the symptoms. They don't actually solve the anxiety disorder. So then I went on this holistic healing path, just trying to find something that would actually solve it. So then I tried Reiki for the first time, crystals. I was doing three hour meditations on YouTube to open my third eye, which actually helped to get rid of the headaches. That's what the headaches were. I did hypnotherapy, acupuncture. I was trying all of these holistic things because Western medicine didn't have a solution for me. So I went down the alternative path and tried all of these things for the first time. So that was what got me interested in spirituality kind of on the side. I'd always been interested interested in it, but we're talking like pre-social media before then mm. because, you know, I was at university like 2010. So when I started my career, I think Instagram had maybe just been born. So I didn't have the same access to information that we do now, basically. Then I was like, okay, clearly banking isn't for me. I despise it. I hate it. I'm not myself. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be more creative. So then I went into fashion. So fashion was my second career. And that was fun for a bit. I got to go shopping in London and get paid for it. I got to go to like little fashion shows. I would take home bags full of stuff. Like I have an entire suitcase still full of bikinis and beachwear because I worked on the swim and beachwear team. And you just got to take so many like samples home. Um, So it was very fun from the outside. But again, six months in, that funny feeling came creeping in. And it was this kind of stomach drop feeling of, oh, no, not again. And it was all good from the outside. But what I was really missing was a sense of purpose, a sense of fulfillment, 
ever since I was little, I've always been very, very passionate. I am an INFJ if people use the Myers-Briggs and that's the advocate. So it's all about purpose, mission, wanting to make the world a better place. And ever since I was tiny, I've always been very self-driven. So I would order all of these leaflets from Peter and I'd put them through people's letterboxes and stick them on lampposts. And I was always so passionate about making the world a better place. And neither of those careers helped me to do that in any way. And actually, I actually started to feel quite sick when I was working in fashion because I saw the waste. They would send Mm. off these huge crates to landfill and they'd cut them up so no one else could sell them. And uh, it just really started to get to me. And that's part of the reason why I took so much of it home because I was trying to rescue it from going in landfill and I'd give it to all my friends, my family. So it just really started to feel very, very out of tune. But this time it was harder because everyone was looking at me like, God, Liz is flaky. Like she can't stick to a career. You know, I had everything going for me. I was doing well and it was never enough. And also by the time I was leaving my second career, I was engaged. We'd bought a four bed house. You know, I was more of an adult at this point than when I left. I was only 23 because I did the two year grad scheme in banking and literally on the last, the last day was the Friday and I started my master's on the Monday. So I went to university again in between my careers. So I, you know, I left that after two years, but by the time I was doing, uh, went into fashion, I think I was like 25. So then by the time I was leaving it, you know, I was like 27. So it was a little bit harder um, the second time round. Then I did hand in my notice as I handed in my notice, left the building, was outside the building, had two car crashes on the way home. So a car drove into the back of me. My husband came to get me, drove his car home, had another car crash. And I ended up, yeah, I ended up having whiplash um, and I was out of action for like three months, couldn't exercise, was getting all this physiotherapy, but I did get a payout, which was actually really helpful because it wasn't my fault. So I was able to buy a MacBook, um, but it was really strange, like something big energetically happened because it was just so, so wild that that happened. I handed in my notice and then had two car crashes on the way home. bizarre. So bizarre. Yeah. Um, And then that started my entrepreneurship journey. That was in 2018. Um, And a lot of it was based around trying to get a book deal, actually. So I started with, I was actually doing, this isn't my first business. I was doing a yoga brand on Amazon because I was a merchandiser. I dealt with suppliers and shipping and all of that. So then I actually started doing that for myself, but with a yoga brand, yoga products, So I was doing that and then I started doing an Instagram page for inspirational quotes because I noticed that when I'd post blogs and these wordy posts for my yoga brand, they do exceptionally well, like way better than anything else. So I was like, okay, what if I just do an Instagram post with just writing and it was called Millennial Manifestor at the time, it wasn't my name or my face and it just grew so organically. Then I decided I want to get a book deal. So then I pursued that. That didn't happen for a few years. I started doing paid tarot reading, started doing coaching. And now here we are today in 2023. And I've got a whole business, a book that's been out for a year. And um, yeah, finally starting to uh, see the fruits of my labor, I think. How incredible. Wow. So, okay, I have many questions, but The first one, when you decided you were going to hand in your resignation as a fashion fashion merchandiser, what was, I know you already said your gut was kind of saying leave because you wanted to help people. You didn't feel like you were doing that. 
where did your intuition come into play? Because I really admire how you're able to tap into your intuition. Did it come into play or did that not come until later? Oh, absolutely. And the way it worked for me and the way it always works for me and the reason I wrote Living in Tune, I talk about the symptoms of being out of tune and I was feeling worse and worse and worse. I had a deep sense of dread and it started off on, say, Sunday night and then it got to the point Mm. where the whole weekend I would be dreading it and I'd spend every minute I wasn't at work dreading being at work, being very, very uncomfortable when I was there very miserable. Uh, Like I said, that physical feeling in my stomach of feeling sick and Mm. just very, very out of tune with where I was. And when we ignore our intuition, it gets worse and worse and worse. And that's very much what happened. Like at first, I very remember clearly a moment where it was this feeling of, oh no. And it was kind of like a doubt, like a knowing, oh, I'm here again. This isn't right. Yeah. And it was just that it was more like, if you know what claircognizance is, it's clear knowing. And it was just this knowing and like, oh, no moment. And then as I was still there, it got worse and it got worse and it was filling my body with dread and this feeling of sickness. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Like you're wringing out this piece of fabric and it gets tighter and tighter and worse and worse and worse and worse. And of course the universe was pushing me out as well. So I got promoted and moved on to the blouses team, which was the busiest team in the whole business, women's blouses. And there was this girl on the team who basically like bullied me. She was horrible. It was, you know, so busy, all the hours, horrible team. And I just hated it. So I already hated it. But moving to that team was the universe being like, dude, you have to get get out. It's going to get worse and worse. It was just pushing me to get out. And that's often what happens as well. You ignore your intuition. It gets worse and worse and worse. If Mm. you still don't do anything, then the universe will intervene and start really pushing you from the outside until you have no choice to actually move and do what you're meant to be doing. Because if it had been okay, and this is something I see a lot when they're comfortably uncomfortable, like it hasn't got to the point where it's bad enough that you have to make a change. And it's so horrible at the time, but I'm so glad now because otherwise I would have just stayed there because that was the easier option logically. And from the outside, you know, logically that's the easy thing to do. So if it hadn't been so bad, I would have stayed. I would have stayed a hell of a lot longer. And then I wouldn't be doing this now. I wouldn't be full-time in my business now. I wouldn't have my book out now. So it had to be that bad for me to actually make those changes and do something about it because it's scary. You know, when I first left my job, I was doing clinical trials. You know, I would stay in these units for two weeks, 17 days, getting these experimental drugs because you got paid like two and a half thousand pounds. So that's what I was doing for money. I was selling things on Facebook and eBay. Um, So, you know, it wasn't, wasn't really what I wanted to do to leave that job but it forced me to do it and it forced me to find a way yeah gosh and it's all about trusting the process and knowing of course Gabby Bernstein obstacles are detours in the right direction and something I learned from you and your book is the difference between impulse and intuition and I think with your story just then you know, you really do practice what you preach because that definitely wasn't a decision made on impulse. That was your intuition. And while, you know, I'm sure on reflection, you look back and thought you wish you did it sooner, but no, you weren't meant to do it sooner because you had to learn all of those lessons and you are where you are now because of that. But how, when we are faced with something, when we do need to make a decision, whether it's, you know, we're buying a new house or we're trying to employ someone for our business or, 
you know, a decision about a relationship or a friendship, how do we kind of separate that impulse versus intuition? Because I know I'm guilty of it. Like an idea might come to me and I'm like, oh my God, this is creative inspiration. I'm being guided. I'm going to listen and go with the flow and just take it. But that's just impulse. I haven't even had a minute to sit with it and think, is this actually right? So what are your thoughts? I love this question because impulse is from your head and intuition is from your soul. And the reason I love this question is because I grew up with an alcoholic. So my stepdad is an alcoholic. Um, He's actually been sober for two years now because he ended up going into hospital for six months and he was going to die, you know, liver failing, Mm -hmm. kidney, kidneys were failing. Um, But now he's been sober for two years, which is great. But I grew up with an alcoholic, an addict, and he wasn't just addicted to alcohol. Earlier in his life, before I knew him, he used to smoke 60 cigarettes a day. He had a gambling addiction. So he's an addict. It's not just the alcohol. And obviously being an addict is all about impulse. No impulse control. Now my mum can't buy chocolate because if she buys chocolate, he'll eat the whole thing. So I always saw the effects of impulses around me and someone being completely unable to control those impulses. And the difference between an impulse and intuition is very hard to tell. Like you say, when you're excited about something, you want to go, go, go. But the only way I think you can tell the difference is, and you alluded to it then, is if you do sit on it and you wait and you let it settle. Because if it's an impulse, in three days' time, you'll have moved on, you'll have forgotten about it, and you won't want it anymore. You only want it because it's right there in front of you. Whereas when it's your intuition, it's kind of the opposite. It actually gets stronger as time goes on. Like I said about the intuition and leaving my job, it it didn't go away. It actually got more and more and more. And you'll get all Mm. the signs coming to you and like everything will start colluding to push you in that direction if it is your intuition. Now, I guess with something like buying a house, you do have a little bit of time to sit on it and wait. But sometimes it's really hard. Like you need to make a decision right there and then. And then in that case, what I do is I've been reading tarot since I was 14, which is over half of my life now. So I always turn to cards and I know you obviously yes. do cards um, <laughs> because I think it's it's one of those two things. You either have to let it settle and sit with it. If it fades away, it's an impulse. If it's still there, it's your intuition. Uh, and if you don't have a few days to do that, then I would need to pull a tarot card. If I need to make a decision right then and there, I will pull a card to confirm because it's it's really hard. It's really hard to tell the difference. Yeah. I could just listen to you speak for forever. <laughs> You're amazing. You are so good at what you do. Um, tell me then, we might have some listeners going, okay, well, I don't know how to, you know, pull a tarot card. I don't know how to do tarot or I've actually had a lot of my community message me going, I'm not intuitive. I'm not at all psychic. So does everyone have access to their intuition? Everyone has intuition, but not everyone has access to it yet. Okay. So I always add yet onto the end of everything to leave it open. Um, But yeah, I think it's a real shame. People don't trust themselves. A lot of people think you need to have someone else tell you if it's okay. For example, you know, science people, like if there's not a scientific study that supports intuition, then it's not true. I don't believe it. And basically what's happening there is they're not 
trusting themselves or their own experience. And like, obviously science is amazing, but they don't have all of the answers yet. So my approach is always to try something for myself and then see what happens. What's my experience of it? Because my experience might be totally different to someone else's experience. And I posted this on my Instagram stories the other day. I was reading the reviews on Goodreads on the book Manifest. And it was so, so good. There was a picture of a guy in a white lab coat with a stethoscope around his neck. So he was like a doctor of some sort. And he posted this review on there saying, I don't agree with these pseudoscientific books, so I'm not going to rate this. But all I can say is that I gave it a try and I manifested something. So it was interesting. And I was like, (laughs) how does that I was like, I love this so much. So his own like prejudices meant that he he doesn't typically like those books. He wasn't going to rate it because he didn't agree with it. But good for him. He did try it and it did work. So- <laughs> oh, my God. Classic. I, bloody hell. I Have you read the book Woo Woo Works? I haven't read it. I've got it because I recommended it to my husband because he's an engineer, not spiritual, needs more uh-huh. of that kind of evidence. So he has it and I haven't read it yet, but I love David Hamilton. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, your husband will love it, but you will love it too because then you'll be able to be like, look, there is so much scientific evidence that base all of this, That sorry, not base, that prove that, you know, all of this spiritual woo-woo kind of stuff that you and me both love and it's just so nice because you know on those days we all have a bit of self-doubt or we lose faith or we I mean I've had many times where I start to think the law of attraction is far too good to be true but when you read these books you're like it, it is true it is backed by science so hopefully that guy that did that store those stories that doctor can actually come around a little bit more and maybe rate the book <laughs> I love it, but good for him for trying because a lot of people in his position would be like, no, you know, it's a load of crap. It's not true. I wouldn't have even been open to try it. So good for him for trying it. And I actually messaged David Hamilton when his book came out, when that book came out, I bought it for my husband and I sent him a message on Instagram and I said, thank you so much for doing this work. Like we need you. I'm not a scientist. I have no interest in science, but you know, a lot of people need that before they can even be open to trying the things that we know and love and we know they work because we've experienced them for ourselves. And yeah, I sent him a message, a really heartfelt message, like, thank you so much for doing this. You're the bridge. You're the bridge between the two worlds. Thank you so much for devoting his whole career. It's all about using science and blending science and spirituality. I think it's incredible work that he's doing. It really is. It's so incredible. And he does it in a way that's so easy to digest. And he doesn't do it in a way that's poking fun at either science or spirituality. He does, like you said, just blend them together so organically. And it really does help us because I know I've had, you know, people say to me, like, you can't, you can't say that or like, it's not true. And it's like, well, maybe if you listen to a scientist, you would think it's true. And he's done just that. So hell yeah. (laughs) absolutely so I absolutely love this quote that you used in your book by Alan Watts and I'm gonna read it and then I want to chat about it it's from your chapter purge and it says waking up to who you are requires letting go of who you imagine yourself to be and I think this kind of goes on effortlessly from your story, especially how you mentioned before, everyone looking into your life as a fashion merchandiser was like, you've got it all. 
you know, you're shopping in London, you're getting free clothes, you're engaged, like everything's happening for you. But the projections that we take on from other people thinking like this is the life that we need to do to impress people or to fit into society. So chat a bit about that quote and what it means to you and, yeah, just get into it because I know I'm going to love it. (laughs) The funny thing is there's 21 chapters and there's an intro and a conclusion. I put a quote at the start of everyone, so that's 23 quotes. This is the quote that people always pick up on. This is the one that's been mentioned to me the most. So it really does resonate with people. And the reason I love it is because it's basically alluding to an ego death, which is what happens. And I had been choosing my careers a lot on ego. Obviously, I did investment banking because I thought I'm going to be successful. That's the definition of success. Then I chose fashion. And a big moment for me in that decision was watching The Devil Wears Prada. And I look back and I think, what did I want? from that film like why did I want to be Anne Hathaway she had a terrible time (laughs) it was awful (laughs) I know but for some reason when I was in banking that was so awful I watched it and I thought I've always loved fashion I still do so I was like oh it'd be so fun to work in fashion and do something creative and get to wear your own clothes and have the little lattes trotting into the office like that was what I wanted so it was also again this ego decision at no point did I ever consider what it would really feel like And that's what inspired the book. That's what the book is all about, living in tune, doing what feels good, what feels right, letting go of any illusions, letting go of what it looks like, letting go of anything to do with the outside world and focusing on your inner world, really being in tune with you and your unique personality and your soul and what you're good at, what you value. That's what living in tune is about. That's what the whole book is about. And I hadn't been doing that. I had been chasing these mirages almost, what I thought I should be, what I thought would look good. And if it looked good, it was right. And that is not the way to go about life if you want to be happy and you want to be fulfilled. And I think that's what the quote kind of embodies. It's like letting go of who you think you should be, the mirage, the projections, what other people see, the tick box exercise, tick, tick box exercises. Like I've been very fortunate. I was right with my marriage. We've been together since we were 19. We're 31 now, more in love than ever. Mm. But other people will have this same situation with their, you know, love life. For me, it was very much about my career, but people will be with the wrong person and they may be totally in tune in their career, but they're out of Mm. tune in their love life. Living in tune isn't just about your career. It's about all areas of life and making sure that they're completely right for you. Your relationship with food and your body, your relationship with your friends, are you in the right friendship group, your relationship with where you're living, the location you're in, your career, it, it feeds through all areas of life and it's this constant exercise of having to get in tune because obviously we evolve and we grow. So one thing I say about it is that we'll be in tune for a bit and that's great and then it will start to fall out of tune because you've grown. I have this with locations so much. I move every year and a half and <laughs> because I, I go to one place and I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And it's great for a while. And then it starts to fall out of tune. And mm. that's totally meant to be because I meet different people. I have different experiences in different places. I'm really connected to the land. So when I go to different places, I feel different. It activates different things within me. Um, but I have this experience with location. It'll be in tune and then it will be out of tune. Then I'm like, oh, here we go. Got to move again. So even when... <laughs> <laughs> I know. And even with my careers, you know, even though they weren't right for me, if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have written the book. 
because it's what inspired mm. so I really believe everything happens for a reason I think everything is meant to be and just because something isn't forever like on my thigh I have tattooed this too shall pass to remind me of the impermanence of everything everything is mm. cyclical everything happens in seasons and phases so just because something is out of tune now when you look back it was probably in tune for a while and you were probably meant to be there whether it's to meet your partner or your friends or to get the experience you know I said my first thing that I did in entrepreneurship was um this yoga brand and I had that knowledge from doing my merchandising job and then I told you how I then started the quotes page because they were doing well in my yoga business so it all does tie together but I think we're meant to move through things and let things go it's this continual process of letting things go shedding the layers finding more and more of our authentic selves which is where the power is and as we do that we become more magnetic with the law of attraction and with manifesting. You are so incredibly inspiring. (laughs) I love this chat so much. Oh, I want it to go forever. It's probably going to end up being three hours. No, not really. Um, (laughs) I want to touch on something that you said in that, which was how you felt that a lot of your decisions were driven by ego, which is so normal and so natural. And something that I've only recently learned about ego is that we shouldn't aim to eradicate listening to our ego altogether, that sometimes it does serve us purpose. In your, like, in your life, have you found, like, when has listening to your ego been a good thing and when has it been a bad thing? Oh, I can't think of a time when it's been a good thing, really. I think it would just be what I was saying just then of how it took mm. me into something which wasn't meant to be for the long term, but it led me on to something else. Um, yeah. Something else yeah. just came in that I want to mention as well, which can happen is people choose relationships on ego. Like I have a friend who she always goes for like the best looking guys, like these successful guys. And I'm like, Mm, no Uh, you know it doesn't work out and it's so frustrating for me because she'll choose partners based on ego or people will have their friendship group and maybe not so much as an adult but maybe but you know in school wanting to be with like the popular people instead of the people that actually feel really in tune and feel really good and feel really fulfilling but yeah apart from the fact that it can take you into something that serves a greater purpose in the long term and leads you Mm. down the path your highest path that you're meant to be on I definitely can't think of any ego decisions which have stuck and which have stayed I think the only reason I ask is because it's only new to me this whole ego thing and I think I've spent so long trying to get rid of my ego but then I can't I can't remember if I read something it might have been on someone's blog or something it's all about you know, when you aren't feeling good enough and when you are kind of falling into that comparison, you know, phase or whatever, that grabbing onto your ego a little bit, if it's going to allow you to step into your power and know that you are good enough or know that you can speak up at work or know that in a relationship that you do have the right to say when something is wrong because you are you are deserving of more than that. That's the only reason I ask because I, I've never thought of it, the ego in that way, how we can kind of sometimes use it to our advantage a little bit, but we have to like really level that out because if we step into it too much, it's not going to serve the purpose at all. Yeah. I think the ego is all about safety and survival. Um, 
So of course it is helpful, you know, it keeps us safe, it keeps us Mm -hmm. alive, but it can also keep us stuck because of that, because it wants to keep us safe and keep us alive. And then it does become very hard to move on and people get really stuck in it. And also where people are really in their head and logic, like that is the realm of the ego. It's your self-identity, your thoughts about the world, your thoughts about yourself. So when you were talking about, you know, being more confident, you can use that element to shape who you're being and how you're acting in that situation because it does rule the mind so that can Mm. definitely be helpful Um, and I work with the four bodies so the physical emotional mental and spiritual and I always talk about how you need balance between all of them because you've probably met these people I did when I lived in Glastonbury if you're too in the spiritual you become detached you can fall into like conspiracy theories you can float away not care about your physical needs you know the people that think you don't need any money and you're just on a spiritual journey so you do need to have balance between all of the things that makes you a balanced individual so definitely that mental realm that the ego rules over is part of it it's important Mm. just as much as the other parts are so that's what a lot of my work is about trying to balance those four aspects within people because when you have balance within then you create balance without you make decisions that are totally aligned and are going to serve you in every way physically emotionally mentally and spiritually I love how you put that it makes so much sense and I think so often too we can be tempted to go too far into one area or the other but yeah when it's all balanced it's that's when everything works I love I love the what you what did you call them the four the four bodies so it's like the four aspects of you now obviously we can only see the physical body but when people talk about an aura for example that is what's going on around you so it's more of a um well the words escaping me now more of a a depiction something to give you an idea rather than like a literal a literal analogy so you've got your physical body your emotional body your mental body and your spiritual body, then they're just the four aspects of you, the four Mm. parts of you, your mind, your emotions, your body, um, and your spirit. And it makes sense, right? Because sometimes you can feel something emotionally that doesn't logically make sense. You're like, it wasn't that bad logically. So why do I feel so upset? Or why did that thing really trigger me when logically it wasn't that bad? So they are kind of separate, separate things that all tie together and work together. I'm going to start using that to think (laughs) to like compartmentalize things so thank you yeah that's really cool um you talk about emotional baggage in your book and it's one of the sections I think that I took on the most and learned from the most uh because I do it I mean we all do it But I loved how you talked about so often of course the emotional baggage that we hold on to it's not actually ours to begin with. So of course we're all holding on to emotional baggage that is ours, but you talk about it in a way of what what about all of the other emotions and feelings that are holding you back that aren't yours that we all of a sudden feel so responsible to hold on to and then in turn they block us from so many different things. So chat a little bit about the emotional baggage that we should and shouldn't hold. I mean we shouldn't hold any, but realistically. Oh my gosh, this is a huge, a huge conversation because it's so multifaceted. We can carry things because of our culture. We can carry things because of our religion. We can carry things because of our um, family, you know, what family has pushed onto us. And it can look like guilt. It can look like fear, 
rules and restrictions that we live under, how we should be, how we shouldn't be, what that means. Yeah, this is a massive conversation. Um, I think when you say like emotional baggage that you should or shouldn't be carrying, I think we're always going to carry emotional baggage always Mm -hmm. I'm sure you are as well I feel like I'm always on a constant healing journey and Mm -hmm. whenever there's eclipses full moons it's like oh there's more to come up oh there's (laughs) more coming up where the hell did this come from because we have a whole lifetime of experiences little things that happened in childhood will come up all the times we've been rejected all the times we failed and then I believe in past lives so then when you start doing that kind of work you have all this other crap that comes up as well you have ancestral stuff that you carry so things from your father's lineage your mother's lineage we carry things in our dna so parts of our personality will literally be coded within us physically so i mean infinite possibilities when it comes to carrying emotional baggage um but i think we learn things through those experiences when we dive deep into our soul and i have a chapter called pain in the book and i talk about it there about how it kind of carves these rivers of depth into you. And I was just watching Tony Robbins' documentary, I'm Not Your Guru, for the second time. Um, And he talks about it. He's like, I care so much because I had so much pain and it was so bad when I was a child. It gave me this depth, this depth of feeling, this depth of emotion that allows me to feel other people's pain. And so I care so much. And so I want to help them so, so much. So we don't have to push away emotional baggage. We don't have to push away our feelings. We can actually use them as a tool Mm. to help us get to where we want to go. We can turn our pain into purpose, which is something I talk about in the book. So I don't think we need to be fearful of our emotions or emotional baggage. I don't think we need to reject them. I said before that I do believe everything happens for a reason. So I think if we look at it that way, we can then turn our emotional baggage into an emotional tool, our emotional brilliance, an emotional gift that we can then use to spur us on and point us in the right direction. So I don't think it's anything to be fearful of or um, want to push away. That is so refreshing because it is, it's one of those things that when it does come up, of course it doesn't feel good, but adding fear on top of that feels awful and it can spread into so many areas of our lives when we let that fear take over us. So yeah, emotional baggage is normal and it is natural. And I love your saying that you can you know, change pain to purpose. That is so powerful. But now maybe let's chat about the emotional baggage that we definitely shouldn't hold on to when it's other people's, when we are taking other people's emotions. I know I used to do a lot of card readings and I kind of pulled back from them because I would come out of them absolutely drained, upset, whatever they were going through, I would feel. I still get it with friends and family. If they are going through something, I'm going through it with them. And I know that I need to separate that and allow myself to, you know, let go, still be there to help and listen when I can. But how do we let go of the baggage that isn't ours? Oh, such a great question. And I'm so with you on the card readings. I could only do three tarot readings a day when I was doing paid tarot readings. And they only took half an hour each. So it wasn't a time thing. It was an energy thing. Because after that third reading, oh my goodness, I was drained mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally. So it is very draining when you're really doing that deep work, that deep intuitive work, and you're fully going into people's lives and into their emotions. You can definitely 
take that stuff on. And what you're talking about is being an empath, which is 20% of the population, 20% of humans are highly sensitive people. So it's very, very common. And I don't know if you've had this as well. I've had it where I've felt things physically. And I had it, I was at Coachella actually a few years ago. And I started to feel really sick and like I was spinning, but I wasn't drunk. So I was like, whoa, this is weird. And it felt like I was really drunk. I started spinning, feeling really nauseous. And I looked around and behind me, there was this girl passed out next to this lamppost. And I was like, oh, I'm feeling what she's feeling right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is why I could never work in medicine. I couldn't be a nurse or anything like that because I would just be feeling what everyone else is feeling. So I'm totally with you on this. And um (laughs) (laughs) it's a hard one because it is again it's a tremendous gift I think we have that because we're kind of healer healer people we are here to understand people I'm obsessed with human behavior and it helps me to understand that and what people are going through Um, but the way that I manage it is really keeping myself out of toxic situations for example so being around negative people is not good for me I start noticing myself becoming really critical and negative um, and feeling less kind of good about myself less good about the world it gives me a more negative worldview I had to really cut back on watching the news because you know I did an economics degree and when I was in that phase of my life you had to watch the news you know you had to know everything that was going on and how it would affect the market and I had to detrain myself it was something I learned in a Tim Ferriss book he said how he stopped watching the news and I was like that was the craziest idea to me at the time but he was so right And I still flick across on my iPhone to the Apple News just to see the headlines, what's going on. But I don't, you know, watch it on TV. I don't go deep into it because it really starts to affect you, especially if you're sensitive. So it's just managing the situations you're in. Is this supportive for me? How am I going to feel when I go into this? Am I going to pick things up? Um, But again, you know, using it as a gift and just managing your space and your time. You know, I had to stop doing tarot readings, for example, And I think it also ties into what you're really meant to be doing, because I know other people that do tarot readings all the live long day every day, and they Mm, don't have the same experience that I do. So that's clearly right for them. Doing tarot readings all day isn't my best thing. My thing is speaking and writing like that's what I'm the best at. That's what I love. Uh, And that is what I want to do all day, every day, forever. So again, it's noticing what works for you, what doesn't. That's pointing you towards, you know, what I call your purpose, the thing that's best for you, the thing that lights you up, the thing that gives you longevity. You want to do it forever. You never want to escape from it. So, um, yeah, it's just paying attention to, okay, what works for me? What doesn't work for me? How do I feel after I see those people? How do I feel after I see those people? And just paying attention and using it as a a guide and obviously doing your self-care practices, having your Epsom salt baths, doing your energy clearings um, and kind of looking after yourself with crystals and having a supportive space, getting out into nature, grounding, swimming in the sea is also really good Mm. for cleansing your energy. When I wrote the book, I was living in a place called Pool, which is on the south coast of England this amazing beach town and I would go into the sea so much to cleanse my energy and when I came out I was like buzzing and I was like right let's go right living in tune so I really had to support my energy when I was doing that um so yeah yeah well said very well said and I guess before we get to our little card reading that we're going to do together I want to end this conversation on a really exciting note because I think you were such an inspiring person. You've got so much going for you. You've, you know, 
signed a deal with Hay House. You have thousands of clients around the world. You really are living in tune. You speak your truth. How do you personally make space for change and these big, exciting miracles to come into your life? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So a big thing for me, and I said it earlier, was location. So I really get activated differently depending on the land that I'm on. And I've just been traveling for a year and a half. So I actually just moved back to England three weeks ago. And before that, I was traveling for a year and a half. All of my stuff was in storage and the difference that it made being in different places. So for example, when I was in Las Vegas, super abundant, I had all these orders coming in. It was like, whoa. And I felt so abundant. Same in Mykonos in Greece. I found that land super abundant. When I was in Costa Rica, I really felt drawn to pay attention to my diet And when I was in all these different places, it just unlocked all these different things. So for me, when I'm in different places, I unlock different miracles. I was saying yesterday, actually, to someone that when I was in LA, which is my favorite, favorite place, I love California, I was there and there was literally a day where I won a 4,000 pound retreat in Tulum in a competition. And as I, and it was in like a few days time. And as I went there, I went to go for lunch at the Beverly Hills hotel with another Hay House author. I saw Dave Grohl at the entrance and then I got in a taxi, went to the airport, went on this luxury retreat that I'd won. And I was like, are you serious? Like, is this life? Like, honestly, it was insane. So being in different places definitely opens up different opportunities I think like we align with some places so much more than we align with other places so that's I don't know if that's the same for everyone but I know for me like location is huge everywhere has a different type of energy and that's actually how birds navigate interestingly they use the electromagnetic field of earth to feel where they are and where they're going so it is this like electromagnetic grid that is different in different locations so they really do activate you and spark different things in different ways um So that's a big one for me. But a lot of it is just staying open and trusting. That's my main hack. I'm just open all the time. I have absolute trust in the universe. I know everything will work out. And of course, it doesn't always look like that. There's been so many, you know, I didn't get my book deal first time. They kept rejecting me and I kept trying. So it was so, I was devastated, absolutely devastated. I tell the story in my book of when I got rejected and I kept, I was even getting all the signs. So that was even worse because my tarot cards were telling me yes. And, you know, I was getting all the signs. So then it felt like this awful betrayal. And for days I was like, what, what the hell universe? Like you told me I was going to get it and I didn't. So that was even worse as well as not getting a book deal. I felt like I didn't even know what to believe anymore because it hadn't come true of course I think it was trying to tell me you will get a book deal you will get a book deal it wasn't this this time but of course it took me a while to actually see that because I kept not getting the book deal so I think ultimately it all makes sense Uh, and that's why I have trust because I have so many situations like that where I there were times where it didn't look like it was working but ultimately it did work And it worked out even better than I originally planned for. So I think trust and when you trust, it gives you that openness. People who don't have trust are very, very closed off. They're not seeing the options. They're not seeing the opportunities as much. So just working on that trust, my relationship with the universe, trusting myself as well and my own intuition. And when you have trust and you're open, I think miracles naturally start unfolding. Yeah, yeah. And you are living proof proof of 
Rejection doesn't mean anything. Rejection is not failure. It doesn't mean to stop what you're doing. It doesn't mean to change route. It is a redirection. It gives you more purpose. It teaches you lessons. And imagine if you had just stopped then and taken that rejection for face value and was like, yeah, this is it. Like, thank God you didn't. Absolutely. I really feel cool to ask you, is there any time you've had that where the, or you've really felt like I'm going to manifest this, it's all happening. And then you've fallen flat on your face, but then in the future you've been like, oh, oh yeah, that was right. Can you think of any examples where that's happened? I feel like so many times I have felt that way. Yeah, same. (laughs) Like too many to even count. I think probably one of them that's coming up for me now is when I wanted to do my Pass Around the Smile Australian tour and the kind of first times that I was reaching out to uh, different places in Melbourne and Sydney that I could have my events, they were just flat out like kind of saying no or they were too expensive or they didn't want to collaborate and I could have very easily just been like this is all going to be too hard, like Australian tour is just off the cards and then I just gave it a couple of months. Within that couple of months, all of these little miracles occurred not directly related to that. So in that time I was raising my vibration and then when I reached out again, sometimes to the same people, the answers were different and they were positive and it all happened. So yeah, it's happened too with stockists where stockists will be like, no, or they won't reply. And then I'll get an email from them like a few months later being like, we want to stock your products. I'm like, ah, hello. (laughs) So yeah, it's happened many, many times, especially like in the acting industry as well. But yeah, a lot. I bet. I really bet. Yeah. I've heard that from actors. It's a hard industry to be in. Um, but uh-huh. I think it's so important to share that, especially when, you know, you do a lot of work on the law of attraction and people who are maybe new to it or have tried it and like it didn't work. I think it's so important to share these stories because it doesn't always work perfectly. That's not life. That's not being a human. You'd never learn anything. You'd never grow if everything just went perfectly. Like that's putting a very high expectation on yourself and on the universe. So I think it's so important to share those stories so that everyone can hear just because you have a wonderful business and just because I have a book deal doesn't mean we just went for it and it happened just because we know about energy and manifestation doesn't mean that everything works perfectly but you carry on going you keep having faith you keep trying and then in the end the timing is so much better and you look back and you're like actually yeah I'm glad it happened then because of this and because of that I was so much more well equipped when it did happen you know I submitted a card deck to Hay House last year and they said no and I I was really upset me that yeah yeah I was really upset for like two three days Um, but I know in my soul that whenever it does happen, it will be so much better. Clearly Mm -hmm. that card deck wasn't meant to be born, um, or the timing isn't right. So whenever it happens, I know, I know I will look back and go, oh, I'm so glad it actually happened now. I'm so glad that this is the card deck. I'm so glad this is the timing because it will yeah. work out perfectly whenever Absolutely. it is. So it's, it's not always a no, it's just a not right now. And then eventually yes. you'll hopefully see the reason why. And good on you as well, going back to that whole ego thing where of course, when you know that card deck got rejected, you would have felt awful and upset and all of that, but you quickly changed it. 
Like you didn't allow your ego to take over and go, what do you mean you're rejecting me? Like this is good. Like I'm just going to do it this way or that way. You took a step back and have the most beautiful view on it now. And I'm sure like it will serve you in so many different ways where exactly what you said, the card deck is going to come out. It could be with a different publisher. It could be with them, but like, more cards or it could be you know something that you do on your own with an accompanied other book like we just don't know like there are so many possibilities out there and I feel like we get so tunnel vision sometimes but we do just have to let go and trust absolutely absolutely speaking of trust let's pull a card and card (laughs) decks as well we're talking about card decks (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And we're finally doing this together. This feels surreal because you've been using my cards for so long. I I pull your cards every morning. Every single morning I pull one of your cards. I have done for years. That makes me so happy, especially coming from you, someone who, you know, loves cards and is very intuitive. All right. Let's see what we've got. Oh, okay. One's fallen out. Oh, this is interesting. We got the refocus your energy card and I already know how this is coming into play. So for the listeners, the card says sometimes the most productive way forward is to stop, rest and reassess. Did we not just say with your card deck rejection that you then stopped, you rested, you did other things and now you're reassessing different ways where you can make it work? Absolutely. And also we talked about the difference between an intuition and an impulse. Then you also need to stop and you rest and you see, is this going to go away because it's an impulse or is it going to still be there because it's your intuition and get stronger and stronger. But yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is about my card deck, that was over a year ago now. It was last March. It was over a year ago. And I actually didn't try anything else because I think I, I know deep down it's not quite right. The timing isn't quite right. And yeah. there's some changes that will happen to the card deck. So I'm not in a rush about that. And I will know, I'll get the urge to go back to it and I'll get the urge to mm-hmm. try again. And I think when I do go back to it, I'll want to tweak it. Whereas other times I will keep going. Like for example, with the book, I kept going and I kept going and I kept going back to them. So notice those urges and the feelings that you have when you get those rejections because sometimes you'll want to go okay right I'm going to find another way right now and other times you do stop and you rest you know it's been over a year now until I've done anything with that card debt proposal so I am in that process of stopping and resting and reassessing but I will also know yeah I'll know when it's time to pick it up again and try again Yeah. And I love what you said before too about how you know when you do give something even a day or two it's everything changes in our minds. Something can happen. Even let's say it's like a confrontation, for example, with a family member or a friend. And at that time, you're so heightened and you're upset and you're anxious and you want to say X, Y, and Z. But when you do just take some time to stop, rest and reassess, the severity of the situation decreases like crazy. And all of a sudden, you're like, what was I so anxious over? This is so minuscule in the scheme of things. So not only with, you know, career decisions and stuff, with everyday conversations, with things that might happen at work or at home, just stop, just rest, take a minute away, listen to the card and refocus your energy. Absolutely. So powerful to get that perspective 
when you do step back and I love that it has an eye on it I have a third eye tattooed on my wrist oh it's all about that yeah it's all about that higher sight um and kind of seeing through more than just the physical situation that is immediately presented to you finding the meaning within it and sometimes we do need to step back and meditate on it as well you know our brain can't always give us the answers our mind our ego can't always give us the answers whereas when we step out of our mind and into our soul by emptying our mind and meditating then we can often see things so much more clearly so that's also what that card represents as well because it has the eye imagery that's what I think of as really seeing more than just what is in front of you right now and that can naturally happen like you said when you do step back then it gives you that distance and you start seeing things differently. Mm, Yeah. And before we wrap up, I actually want to thank you because I'm only just now, like a few minutes after we've had the conversation, thinking about how I related so much to your location, um, like allowing things to come to you and different kind of circumstances via location. And I'm only just now realizing that I can relate and that all of these different places around the world have meant so many different things. And I don't think I've ever actually related them to like spiritually, if that makes sense. Like what's coming up? Well, LA, for example, because you mentioned LA, I lived there on and off for three years and I have never meditated better than I have in LA And I've never dreamed as big than I have in LA. Bali, something always like really magical, a miracle always comes to me when I'm in Bali. And Europe, I think back to these times of just kind of like wonderment when I was just kind of like looking around and being really present where these um, creative ideas and inspiration would come to me. And I think as well, something to do with planes and being up in the sky always allows you just to think differently and be a bit more imaginative and excited about where you're landing and what you're going to do and what you're going to change. So I want to thank you because this is only the start of the thoughts that I'm having and I never thought about it like that. And that might sound a little bit silly, but the way that you spoke about it was like very enlightening and very true. Oh, I'm so glad that you had that realization. Yeah, I think I, I didn't notice it. And I think back to when I used to go on holiday and I'm like, how did I never notice it? So it's only in the last few years and obviously especially traveling because I was constantly in different places and it would literally affect the amount of orders coming in my business and wow. you know things like that. Um, so it, it was very obvious. Oh, I'm in this place and I, I would land, for example, like I said, Mykonos in Greece. I literally got off the ferry because we come from Santorini, which was another Greek island. So we got off the ferry And instantly I was like, whoa, I feel this abundance. And there were these huge super yachts around and it's this kind of luxurious party island. And I I could physically feel the abundance that was there. And then that brought me abundance as well. That was also a really abundant place. So yeah, getting to travel, which is obviously a massive luxury, I, I really really noticed how different the different lands are and some places were really tough like when I was in Mexico my 
goodness, I was in Tulum and it, it was so hard for multiple different reasons. And I was also there when there were eclipses, which, as I said, are always massive for me um, but in a hard way. So there were some places that were like bringing up emotional stuff. And there were some places that were abundant. There were some places that were lucky. Like L.A. was mm. really lucky for me. It's so good for connection. Like some yeah. of my deepest soul friends are in L.A., so yeah, land is is very, very powerful, the land that you're on for sure. Yeah, I've just never thought about it like that and I'm excited and I hope this can inspire the listeners as well to even if you can't, you know, you might not be able to take work off or you might not be able to travel at the moment, but just go to a different area of where you live even. Like I know every time I go to Burley Hill, I feel this like excitement that I can manifest anything. Um, Burley Hill is just around the corner from me, by the way. Um, but yeah, so really enlightening and really exciting. I, I love that. I'm excited about like what I'm going to, I'm like, I want to plan more travel just so I can experience spiritually different things. You're so right. It's not just about world travel. I actually had it in LA. I remember someone voice noting me like, how are you finding the energy there? And I was like, it's so weird because you'd be on one street and you're in literal paradise, so abundant. Oh my God, dream come true. You turn down another street. And as you know, LA is very much two worlds. It's the rich mm-hmm. and the poor. You've got the mm-hmm. two sides of it. So it was this duality of energies. And I would literally turn down a street, turn a corner, and I would suddenly feel very unsafe. I would I'd feel this kind of tension. It wouldn't feel good. And then the street next to it, I'd be in paradise. It was very, very interesting. So it doesn't need to be, like you say, different countries, just different places in your hometown. I think we all have that. There's a place, pool where I grew up, there's this place called Branksome Park. And I I'm obsessed with it. Like I want to have a house there one day. It's got these like massive mansions, but there's so many trees and the trees are just magical. It's got this incredible sea view. You drive 10 minutes down the road. It doesn't feel as good. So it is just your local area as well. You will feel the difference. And I find often that's because of the trees there. That's because you've got the sea there. Um, Mm. But even when it's just houses, like I said, in LA, they they looked from the outside very similar. They had such a different feeling. And it can also be the people that are there as well. You know, you said about feeling other people's emotions and taking things on. When you said in LA about feeling really ambitious and like anything is possible, I think a lot of that is because you have so many people there that feel that way. People go there to chase their dreams. They go there to become famous in music or as an actor. And I think we also pick up on that energy the people that are there I felt so Mm. creative in LA Mm. and I I think that's because there's so many creatives there and I was picking up on that collective consciousness that was in that place just so powerful and even like you were saying in Mykonos as well the same thing but with abundance there are machines that can photograph energy leaving the body and leaving things so it goes to show like when we're in a place that makes us feel abundant that is the energy that you were getting so yeah Go to places that make you feel abundant. (laughs) So Liz, tell my listeners where they can find you and where they can buy your book. Yay. So my website is lizroberta.com. Super simple. I'm mainly on Instagram at I am Liz Roberta and my book is called Living in Tune. So you should be able to find it anywhere. I think it's in big W. It's definitely on Amazon. Um, But because it is with Hay House, they've done an amazing job of getting it in stores everywhere, online everywhere. So um, yeah, if you Google living in tune or go wherever you normally buy books, then you should be able to find a copy there. 
Amazing. And I'll put all the links in the show notes as well. But Liz, thank you so much. I enjoyed this conversation. Wow. I can't, this is a sign that it's coming to an end. It's Friday afternoon here. So I think I'm ready for a wine. It's like Friday morning for you, right? Yeah. We started at 7 p.m. So it's just after eight now. Oh, oh sorry. You mean Did 7 a.m.? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 7 a.m., not 7 p.m. I'm copying your time, I think. <laughs> oh, no, but I really did enjoy this chat and I, I have learned so much. Like I actually want to journal after this because I've learned so much from you. And I think I'm getting used to these chats and these podcasts as well, just being a little bit more open to just conversation and where it goes and learning as well. So thank you for allowing me to do that with you. Oh, I'm so glad. This was so much fun. Yay. Thank you so much for buying my deck all those years ago (laughs) so we could be friends now. I love it. Thank you so much for making it. It serves me every day. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. I hope you liked it. I've got an exciting one coming for you next week. And if you do like the podcast, I would be so thankful if you could leave me a review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, depending on what you listen on. And don't forget, if you want to join my Pass Around the Smile community, I have a Pass Around the Smile group. It's literally called Pass Around the Smile on Facebook. Join, you can post, you can read, you can listen. It's just a supportive place to be online. Thanks. See you next week.